Ahoy, ahoy! This is the True North Fantasy Football Podcast at True North FFB on Twitter. I'm Ty McLaughlin at TNFF Tyrell. Very, very proud members of the Fantasy Points Media Group. 21 True North 10 is the promo code. And with fantasypoints.com on the brain, I am so proud that we have one of the owners of the joint on the program tonight, a phenomenal writer, podcaster in his own right, somebody I've been a big fan of going back to his days at Fantasy Guru. Uh, I used to get all my my waiver info off of this man. Uh, and a couple of weeks ago, we had uh, we were lucky enough to have the ultra-accurate Joe Dolan on the program, and I mentioned that he and our guest uh, make quite the dynamic duo on the ones and twos. So, Mr. Tom Brawley, it is a pleasure to talk some football with you tonight. And Tom is frozen. My goodness. No, 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 Tag, tag. What I wanted to talk to Tom about, or at least to intro him in a spectacular fashion, was to talk about the FantasyPoints.com ensemble, that Avengers-like ensemble they got going on there. Uh, because I think Tom might have the hardest job out of all of them when it comes to being a betting analyst. And he knows, he knows, he knows how it works. So he hopped right back in. My apologies, Tom. Uh, don't know what happened. I think that was on my end, my internet. As soon as, uh, you know, we were talking before the podcast started here. And, uh, as soon as you went away, it's, I got something popped up that, uh, a little bit of an internet connection problem, but. I uh, got it uh, straightened out here, so should be ready to go here. Sorry about that. No, no, no problem. It is just so great to have you on. Fellas, any chance you can come over to the house later and play some sorry? Sure. Ooh. How about nine o'clock? Oh, nine o'clock doesn't work. Sorry about that. <laughs> Uh, what I was talking about is just, you know, being a betting expert, I think, you know, I could run down the litany of studs that are at fantasypoints.com. And they all specialize in their own individual ways, I would argue, too. Like, they're all top-of-the-field people. Uh, but I would argue that your job might be the hardest, being the betting expert, just because, you know, you have to be, you know, it's the most all-encompassing position you would have to play in any fantasy resources offense. It's one that impacts people's wallet the most, you know? And I think just having the success you've had in the win percentage column you just you really have to be well versed in almost absolutely everything from pace of play and matchup grinding to offense, defense, special teams. Uh, and, you know, then you're taking all those variables and you're kind of betting the market Vegas, which uh, they ain't no dummy. So sorry, to just kind of rant it up there and please feel free to expand on any of that, Tom. But where I kind of wanted to steer this was to get your thoughts on betting kind of as a whole, but more like the trajectory of betting, the growth and where we might see the dust settle in the next few years. So do you think it's becoming more and more popular? And do you think betting and even like the explosion of prop betting can become as popular as some formats of fantasy, like we've seen best ball become over the last few years? Yeah, I think it's, it's really going to take off here, at least in the States. Uh, I mean, I, uh, do you guys have betting up there in, in Canada? Oh, yeah. Call it no, PA, buddy. <laughs> oh, nice. So uh, it, it's slowly trick, trickling out here to all the states. Uh, Pennsylvania was one of the, you know, one of the, you know, the first ones here, you know, outside of New Jersey and uh, Nevada. So that was just a couple of years ago here. And, and, you know, it's about half the states now. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, in a couple more years that, you know, if it becomes legal in just about every state. So, more and more people are dipping their toe in and uh, you know, it's a, it's a lot of fun too. You like, you can bet on individual players. You can, 
you know, bet on quarters. You can bet on, you know, there's just so many different things you can bet on. There, there's paramutual betting where you can, you know, bet on the MVP, rookie of the year. So, you know, DFS is kind of its own game. You know, you're taking on everybody else there. But, you know, prop betting, it's it's easy. You're, you're picking one side or the other. You're, bet, you're pitting your knowledge against the book. Uh, so I, I think it, it, the, the the level of entry is a little easier for people. It's it's not as daunting. Uh, you know, you're going into a DFS room and you're, you're playing against uh, these sharks that you know have these algorithms and uh, have sheets and uh, are printing out 150 different lineups. But uh, you know, when it comes down to it, you know, you're betting on Patrick Mahomes over 300 yards. Uh, you know, you're picking the over the under. So the the barrier entry is a lot lower. So I think a lot of people are, you know, once they, you know, we could even see it on the site this last year, just, you know, as the season went along, you know, once the season starts to wind down, people's fantasy teams are eliminated and uh, they're looking for different ways to bet, you know, bet, you know, have action in the game, have a little bit of skin in the game. So, uh, you know, I, I could even see, you know, during the playoffs and stuff, people were looking for stuff to bet on and, uh, so, you know, I would only expect that to continue to grow here. And, uh, you know, my background wasn't always in betting. And, uh, you know, I, I got started with Fantasy Guru eight or nine years ago. And uh, it was all fantasy all the time. But I, I think that background has, you know, helped me out. I, I have a, you know, a, you know, a major understanding of everything that's going on with the game, not not just the offense, offensive side of the ball. So you have to have to know both sides of the ball whenever you're breaking down matchups. So, um, you know, I've had a lot of success over the years. Uh, you know, I've been doing picks, you know, starting at Fantasy Guru and now with Fantasy Points. Uh, you know, I, I forget what the percentage is, but, uh, you know, it's 50. You know, picking every game against the board, it's up over 54% or 55%. I've had some pretty good you years. a winning record every year, I think, for the last five or six years last time I read. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I've had a lot of success and, you know, I, I, I do my own, po- you know, I'm in different polls and stuff like that. Uh, you know, some 80, 100 man, uh, you know, people in those polls. So uh, I've had a lot of success doing those as well. So I uh, love putting those out. You know, people getting my messages, uh, you know, Thursday afternoon, if, I've been a little bit slow getting the every game on the board picks out there. They're they're mm-hmm. saying, "When are you getting them out? I got to get my entries in before Thursday night's Thursday night's game." So, uh, you know that it, it's a lot of fun doing it. Uh, I feel like just my background with fantasy has definitely helped me, uh, you know, pick these games, you know, pretty well here recently. So, uh, uh, knocking on wood that I can continue to do it here going forward. Absolutely. I wouldn't doubt it for a second. And I plan to take advantage of a lot of that. We're going to talk some betting tonight. I really want to get like some of your takes on the rookie props. I like to kind of hit rookie props every year. Um, But also for fantasy, uh, maybe we can get a good grasp on some early expectations for these incoming rookies. Um, Lots more on the agenda as well. But kind of saying what I just said there, Tom, maybe I'll start by throwing you uh, what might be a pretty difficult question to answer. But can something like the odds on these prop bets be useful for fantasy owners? Not really thinking about in-season as much. Like, we know game totals, stuff like that should influence our decision-making. But at this time of the year, can this information be actionable for fantasy owners who might not even be looking to make bets? Uh, yeah, I, I think it's at least informative. You know, you're getting outside perspective. You know, these guys, you know, the, the people that are setting the lines in Vegas and uh, in different spots, they're, they're not dummies. They know, you know, how much these guys are going to play. And, you know, it, it's kind of, you know, extra information uh, for yourself. And, 
Uh, just even looking at the odds, you know, a guy like Mac Jones is, you know, plus a thousand plus, you know, so he's like the guy out of the rookie quarterbacks that is kind of expected not to, you know, he's not going to play right away. So he's got the longer odds. So uh, you can look through the numbers and, um, you know, I, I just, just watching how the line moves is also, you know, a good indication of, you know, what people are thinking about. Um, you know, I, I'm thinking a guy like Trey Sermon. Uh, whenever the numbers first came out, uh, you know, he was plus 3,500, plus 4,000 in some spots. Uh, now he's down to plus 2,500. Uh, you know, I think might be even lower than that in some spots. So uh, guy has definitely picked up some momentum. Um, I'm sure you, you were doing best balls in different drafts and you're falling along with it. And you, you know that Trey Sermon, his, his stock has certainly risen here a lot over the last month. And that was even before the Jeff Wilson injury. So uh, even, you know, just looking at the numbers, you can, you can get a grasp on just what, you know, Vegas is thinking about these rookies and, uh, how maybe you should be thinking about it for your fantasy drafts as well. Totally. And I, I think you touched on another really fun part that gets, you know, sort of little attention when it comes to betting. And that is the movement of the market. Like it's really fun to get in on, you know, Justin Fields or Trey Lance, like them starting in week one. And you look one month later and you, you're you getting a better price on your bet than people who are placing that exact same bet uh, right now because you were early to the party. So there's there's a lot more buy-sell element to betting with uh, with these rookie props, these futures in particular, because, you know, we get months to observe the trends uh, as opposed to days when it comes to in-season betting. And, you know, that's kind of why I think it's it's cool that, you know, it's such an all-encompassing world. Like you have to have such a good grasp on this stuff to talk about betting. Because it's so much more than, you know, that's a good bet or that's a bad bet. It's kind of predicting ranges of outcomes, you know, forming a take and deciding how confident we are in that take. And then, yeah, playing that fool market of that uh, Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, a lot of, yeah. It's a lot of probabilities. And, uh, you know, I'm just even thinking back to like, you know, the, the, the bets I gave out for the rookie of the year, Najee Harris and Trey Lance. You know, Najee Harris opened up at like plus 1500. You know, he's been bet down to plus eight, 800. Uh, Trey Lance, you know, his number was, you know, in that plus 1500 range. He's now down to plus 600. Uh, you know, both of those markets have shifted. Yeah, it, it, you're playing against the markets there. You're, you're trying to get the best, uh, you know, the best odds and uh, getting numbers whenever they look out of, out of place. And, uh, you know, now those markets, uh, you know, they're probably not ones that I would really want to bet into now. You know, the, the, the value has been kind of sucked out of them. But uh, that, that's a lot of the the fun betting on the NFL, even, even during the season, once you, you get started there, uh, you know, trying to get that point or two of value uh, earlier in the week. I, that's one area where I've had some successes, um, you know, on Mondays trying to, you know, parse out, you know, what, what's this line going to look like on a Friday or Saturday? Is it going to move one way or the other? Uh, what, you know, when can I get the most value out of the, out of a line? And, even if I'm looking at the other side and, you know, I, I think the line's going to move against them later in the week. So, uh, you know, I got to wait it out here. So uh, you're, you're going, you're playing against the market. It's sometimes it's unpredictable. It, it sometimes doesn't move the way you expect, but uh, yeah, that's, that's a lot of the fun of, uh, you know, betting on the NFL. Totally. And, you know, maybe before we dive in, I'm just going to spring this on you. So sorry, Tom, but I want to give just a quick example, just in case anybody's still unfamiliar with like what a prop actually looks like. So just for fun, you have to throw down on Trevor Lawrence to win offensive rookie of the year or Pat Mahomes to win MVP. 
Ooh. Uh, I mean, it depends on price. Uh, I'm seeing yeah. uh, offensive rookie year. You know, Lawrence is at plus 300. So that's, you know, you're putting it down a $100 bet to win 300. Uh, or, you know, Patrick Mahomes, you know, plus four, five to one. Maybe. Yeah, basically yeah. five and, to and one. And I think those are both uh, fair odds when it comes to how likely these guys are, if not being more likely when it comes to, you know, our gut feeling. Yeah, so I, I actually kind of like the Trevor Lawrence one a little bit more. Um, you know, I, I think there's going to be fewer contenders in that rookie of the year. Um, you know, you know there are five quarterbacks, but, you know. You're not it, betting against the field, so to speak? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, I, I am expecting Patrick Mahomes to have a, a pretty strong bounce back season here, you know, uh, after – the disappointment in the Super Bowl offensive line has been certainly upgraded here over the off season, uh, you know, but it's, it's, it's a lot more difficult. You know, there's so many different quarterbacks that are, could be challenging for that award. You know, you got Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, Josh Allen, Tom Brady, I'm looking at the list. It, it's star studded. Uh, the rookie of the year. I feel like it's going to come down to, you know, one of those four or five quarterbacks, maybe Najee Harris, maybe Kyle Pitts. And uh, I'm not, I would be pretty shocked if it's one of these really, you know, the one of the long shots that come out of nowhere here to win this award. So uh, it's lower odds with uh, Trevor Lawrence at plus 300, but I, I kind of like that one a little bit more. And I think the Jaguars could be a team that could surprise, you know, sort of surprise in that AFC South. You know, Carson Wentz is coming to Indianapolis and certainly, uh, you know, had a, a very rough season last year. Uh, you know, it's a little bit unpredictable what's going to happen there with him. Uh, and, you know, Tennessee took some big losses at, uh, on the offensive side of the ball with Corey Davis leaving, John U. Smith leaving. So I think there's a path to the Jaguars maybe winning the AFC South. So, Maybe uh maybe that's a little bit of a correlated bet. Maybe you uh you you, you bet Lawrence at plus three hundred. Maybe sprinkle a little bit more on that AFC South. Uh, I think it was six to six or seven to one for them to win the AFC South. So you would think that if they're going to win that AFC, you know, if they win that AFC South, get into the playoffs, Trevor Lawrence is probably a good bet to win the Rookie of the Year award. Absolutely. Breathe it in, everybody. That new air in Jacksonville it yeah. is so sweet. I saw um, they're like building a, like a new practice facility and, uh, you know, right next to the stadium. So uh, Trevor Lawrence, they're, they're pinning all their hopes to him. And uh, for good reason, after watching him the last couple of years in Clemson. Absolutely. And uh, actually, I wouldn't mind talking a little bit more about the uh, at least Trevor Lawrence's props because they're really interesting. Actually, really quick, we probably aren't going to get to all the rookies tonight. But Tom, your piece from a week or two ago was really awesome. It's such a more comprehensive breakdown than we're going to be able to offer tonight. So I encourage everybody to read it, even follow along as we talk about some of these players if you want. I did link it in the description down below. Uh, And the other thing I want to talk about really quick before we dive in is just, you know, we're going to dish some over and unders and stuff. I'll mostly be using betting information from DraftKings Sportsbook, but we all know an unwritten rule in life is to shop around and sportsbooks (laughs) are no different. So I just wanted to throw that out there. I Um, I put that, I put that like at the top of all my articles, mm -hmm. like, you know, I, cause I can't just, you know, have like 10 different lines in the articles and stuff like that. So I like to get one uniform from one place. So the numbers are kind of even, but yes, that is always the number one role, especially with these, you know, once you get into the season, the the lines are all going to be, you know, obviously continue to shop around in season, but 
you're going to be, you know, maybe minus 120 on a line or uh, mm-hmm. half a point difference between uh, a, a line between books. But, you know, in the offseason, in the summer, you know, I, I placed that Najee Harris bet at plus 1,500 at FanDuel. And at the same time, he was at like plus eleven hundred or plus ten ten, you know, at one thousand there uh, at DraftKings. So yeah, I totally agree, especially with these futures uh, that have the big plus odds there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- like these are the ones that you really want to be making sure you do that. Um, so Trevor Lawrence, when you're looking at his passing yards, you're betting on him throwing for about two hundred and fifty passing yards per game this year, which would be borderline record-setting numbers for a rookie quarterback. But when you look at his touchdown total, it's way more sobering. It's at 22 and a half. And, you know, our listeners remember we're coming off a season where Justin Herbert just smashed the rookie quarterback touchdown record. And we've seen these trends uh, just explode over the past decade with these rookie quarterbacks. So do you think Trevor Lawrence is like in line for borderline record setting, you know, statistics with the 17th game being added? And what do you think about his touchdown total? Should it give us pause for thought or is it too low? Uh, I think it is a little bit low. I, I would lean towards the over there. Uh, his passing number, I, I've had some trouble with. Um, I, just because I just don't know what exactly this Urban Meyer slash Daryl Bevel <laughs> offense is going to look like here. Well, there won't uh, be any favoritism. Uh, Tim Tebow, come here. Tell him there won't be any favoritism. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so um, th- there, he does have a great set of weapons. Uh, but Daryl Bevel, you know, he comes from a background where, you know, he wants to run the ball, uh, you know, all those years with Adrian Peterson and, and in Seattle there. And Urban Meyer's offenses have always run the ball well at uh, Ohio State and all his different you know, his stops at Florida and Utah before that. So, um, you know, I, they go out and they draft Travis Etienne in the, you know, with the 25th overall pick. They go out and sign Carlos Hyde. Uh, you know, his former uh, player and recruit at Ohio State. They already have James Robinson. So it does give me a bit of pause. I'm not completely sure what this offense is going to look like. But, um, you know, I I went back and looked through and the guys that have cleared that 4,000 yard mark are a bunch of number one overall picks. It's Jameis Winston. It's Andrew Luck. It's Cam Newton. Uh, Justin Herbert was the first one that wasn't a first overall pick, but obviously, you know, he was kind of thought of as maybe a potential number one pick before, uh, you know, he had a down year or two at Oregon there. So, and obviously his, his stock has risen uh, quite a bit here. And, uh, and I think everybody but Herbert are kind of synonymous with your first point there. Like a lot of those guys had a lot of volume right away in their rookie season. So I think it could come down to the volume uh, with Trevor Lawrence for sure. Yeah. And that's, that's would be the concern. So um, it's there. The, and this is where the, the betting stuff does come into to, to come into play here. We have win totals out there. Uh, you know, they're at six and a half wins. So they're telling us that they're probably going to be one of the worst teams in the league. You know, there, there's only a few teams that are below them. You know, you get the, the Jets and, uh, you know, the Texans and the Lions. And that's it right now. So they're going to probably be in a lot of scripts where, you know, they, they probably have to throw a little bit more at the, at the end of games, you would think. But um, this one, I'm probably – I'm staying away from it. I, yeah. I would lean towards the over here just because of his pedigree. And, you know, you got DJ Chark, Marvin Jones, LaVisca Chanel. Uh, you know, you got, you got some big-time weapons there. But uh, this, is, this is a pretty good number. I would lean toward the over on this one. 
I wanted to ask you about DJ Chark. I feel like we've been bombarded with Jaguars talk all offseason by everybody, but DJ Chark's been a little bit under-discussed. And I think it's interesting because a lot of us went into the process with a lot of questions we were waiting to get answered, you know, because he does enter the final year of his contract this season. Um, but a lot of those answers have come up uh, anti-LaVisca Chenault instead of uh, anti-DJ Chark, um, outside of maybe touchdowns with the addition of Marvin Jones. Uh, I also want to bring him up today because Evan Silva, uh, formerly of Roto World, who used to be able to move markets with a tweet, uh, <laughs> now it established the run, has really started talking up DJ Chark. So I just want to get ahead of this one um, in case he does fly up draft boards. So what do you think? Do you think he's uh, a solid wide receiver too? Or do you think he's like a wide receiver three or four with upside for fantasy this year? Yeah, I'm viewing him more in that wide receiver three area, like a high upside wide receiver three. Uh, I thought it was pretty interesting, just a little bit of the talk here the last day or two from Urban Meyer, you know, basically calling him out that he was mm-hmm. playing like a you know little receiver, wasn't you know playing up to his size and um, certainly trying to get under his skin a little bit to motivate him here going into the season. So, uh, you know, it sounds like he has responded. I, I think I saw that he gained, put on seven pounds of muscle, so... Uh, he's he's never been a big guy. He's uh, a mm-hmm. little bit on the the, the slider the slider side of things. He's he's that long and lanky type type of uh, type of receiver. But um, yeah, I, I I have him in like the mid sixties, I believe. Uh, you know, right in that sixth round range. Uh, I've certainly taken him some, and uh, I'd love to to try to pair him with uh, Trevor Lawrence if. Uh, you can build that whole offense if you want to right now in best ball, especially thinking like larger tournaments and stuff. Yeah. Oh, it's so easy. You know, you know, you're taking Lawrence, you know, probably in that 10th, 11th round range. And, uh, you know, if you, you miss out on DJ Chark that, you know, in the sixth round there, uh, I mean, Marvin Jones is going right in that same range. LaVisca Schnaltz a little bit before that. So certainly have opportunities to kind of build that stack, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be as high on him as, uh, you know, Evan Silva might be, but, uh, yeah, if he starts to fly up boards, we'll, we'll have to exercise some caution, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I do think this, this offense might be kind of spread it around and, uh, we'll see how he, you know, connects with Lawrence there in the preseason and in training camp. But uh, I do think urban leans a little bit more towards the run game and, uh, that would be my only pause here. And Marvin Jones, I mean, he's no slouch. He's he's put mm-hmm. up some massive numbers. And, um, you know, I think those were probably pass-heavier offenses in Detroit anyway. Uh, I know Daryl Bevel did come from that offense. And uh, it's they're kind of similar type of setups there. I, I, I would think Marvin Jones is going to be playing the Z a lot. Uh, he was doing that in Detroit, you know, across from Kenny Galladay. And uh, DJ Chark, probably, you know, that's probably going to be the same kind of alignment here in, in Jacksonville. But, um, you know, I, I'm fine with getting him if he does blow up here a bit. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm probably a little bit below market on him uh, compared to, to where his price is right now. Yeah, and I think it is a lot to do with the names around him. Like right now, he seems to kind of mark almost the end of that sexy, sexy tier of wide receivers that we're always targeting in our drafts. But if he moves up, then uh, it's a lot harder to stomach him over a Brendan Ayuk or something, in my opinion. So uh, it's a slippery. Yeah, I, I have. Uh, I, I've been taking Ayuk and Galladay. That you know, he's. I have him right after that kind of tier there. Mm-hmm, me too. Yeah. 
Um, thinking about the touchdown total again for Trevor Lawrence, what really stood out to me was how comparable it was to the guy selected directly behind him by the Jets. Um, so that's the kid I want to go to, the kid who had to get Dan Feeney to buy him beers at the Islanders game. Uh, at which point, I imagine he learned a very valuable life lesson. Dan Feeney is not the guy who gets the beer money. Um, so Zach Wilson, <laughs> what do you think of his touchdown total? Like it's a, it's a cool 20 spot right now. His passing yards total is closer to 225 yards. I could argue that his weaponry is better than anything Sam Darno ever had to work with. We know his coaching staff will be with Minnie Lafleur taking over the offense and all that. So do you think that the Jets are one of those teams that we could also put our finger on who will be throwing the ball a lot because of the game scripts and everything? And does that make you in on Zach Wilson this season? Yeah, I do think they're going to struggle a little bit more than the Jaguars this year. They have a similar type of win total. It's right there at six and a half. Uh, But I I do, that AFC East is, uh, I think, a little bit, you know, a rare thing to say about the AFC East. It's actually. It's actually difficult for once. Uh, it's been about 20 years. Tom Brady uh, made a you know made a name for himself, certainly uh, feasting on those AFC East teams for 20 years. But uh, I do think it's going to be a lot more competitive at the top with the Dolphins, Bills, and Patriots. Uh, Jets are uh, they're they're a couple steps behind them, I think, right now. Uh, could be playing in a lot of you know negative pass scripts. So that that is that is positive. I do like a lot of the weapons they did bring in Corey Davis and Keelan Cole and uh, drafting Elijah Moore and kind of waiting on this Jamison Crowder situation. It, the longer mm-hmm. it goes on, uh, the longer it looks like he's going to stay there. I thought uh, he might be a, a cap casualty here um, maybe sometime in June after the June 1st, but uh, you know, they have a lot of cap space and it looks like they might roll, roll with them. So they, you know, they could be going five deep at receiver. I, I, was on Chris Herndon a little bit uh, last year. That certainly didn't pan out with Adam Gase in town. Uh, but yeah, I think, he, but yeah, I'm, uh, hey, he was cheap last year. I was like, mm-hmm. they, got, they got nothing. They got Brashad, Rashad Perriman there. So, uh, and I think, you know, that's what we've talked a lot about this offseason. Just the Jets, like I, we can't underestimate the experience for fantasy that, you know, going from dead last and things like play volume, the trickle down effect for that offense with Gase gone, it really will be uh, felt, I think. Uh, but I, I think we're not, you know, we want to pave the same path that the Jaguars are with the new era in gangrene nation. But I think we're definitely uh, asking a lot more questions uh, with the Jets. And a lot of it does go back to that strength of competition with the teams in the division around them. Yeah. And the, the, the running game is also a concern. I know that this is, they want to be a run central team with uh, LaFleur there, uh, mini LaFleur, as you called them there. Uh you know, but they, they got Michael Carter, who's probably the, the best guy they have right now, Tevin Coleman, Ty Johnson, and Michael P. Ryan. I mean, it's not exactly a great crew there, but uh, there's still some questions. You know, I mean, they, they did get uh, Vera Tucker there to, to play guard, but uh, still some questions at right tackle. So uh, maybe that run game isn't nearly as effective, and maybe, you know, maybe it's on Zach Wilson's shoulders a little bit more than they – they would like. So I, I do like his over uh, a little bit more than Trevor Lawrence. I, I kind of think they'll probably be in the same neighborhood here. Um, you know, the, the passing touchdowns is something I would stay away from just in case the offense uh, does have its share of struggles. But, uh, you know, I where, where Trevor Lawrence is going to probably have a couple legs up on Zach Wilson for fantasy is, uh, you know, his mobility. And uh, I could see 
Urban Meyer getting him on the move, and uh, he's certainly he, he's he's huge at six six, but uh, he could certainly run. I, I think there'll be more design runs for Trevor Lawrence, and uh, that, that's the factor that different really differentiates those two for fantasy for me. Agreed. Like Jacksonville should be able to implement their system right away a little bit easier than I think the Jets will. Uh, even though we recognize they have, you know, Joe Douglas has started to return to the Jets way of drafting linemen in the first round. So good for them. But yeah, I think that that's just such a tough division. Um, I want to touch on the other two rookie quarterbacks. I wanted to ask about them, but I think there's a better way I can inject them into the conversation. And it lets me ask you, Tom, a question I've asked pretty much every guest during this offseason. So I'm going to make a hard Louie here onto just generally how we're treating quarterbacks in fantasy this year and some late round options maybe because some of the best stuff all offseason that you can find is that fantasy points powwow stuff that we were talking about off air. Basically just all the studs on fantasypoints.com. Uh, you know, Cassell, legendary John Hansen, Scott Barfield, uh, Graham Barfield, or sorry, uh, Graham yeah, Barfield. Scott Bar- uh, I, yeah, the, the two how, bars how many there. People Everybody have done that how many <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're, you're not the care. first one. You won't be the last one. A <laughs> couple of bars. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of bars. But I, I really, I thought that stuff was so good, but not everybody can consume that amount of time. I mean, they're all on YouTube. Ben also broke them down into really consumable podcasts as well. But you, Tom, have been tasked with what I would call maybe some courtroom recording, uh, <laughs> to put it in a less flattering way than I wanted to now that I hear it out loud. But uh, the fun. best way, well, I, I think what you did is- I so think cool I, because... I, I put it out as a, and like I was back in college, uh, you know, reliving, you know, my- yeah, geez, that was 13 years ago at this point. Uh, back in the forum at Penn State, uh, scribbling away notes. And, uh, you know, back in my day, I had to actually take physical notes. That's how old I am. But uh, now I can just do it on my you know, my uh, Mac computer here. So, but that, that's essentially what I was doing. I was uh, in the background, uh, you know, I was there, but uh, t- just not on screen, just taking notes and very diligent. And uh, yeah, it, it was a blast. I love listening to those guys talk, uh, you know, just listening to Greg and Adam, uh, you know, riff. And uh, Adam's kind of like the news guy. He, he has he's he's got sources all over the league. And oh, he's a and, legit insider. Yeah. Yes, he is. And then, you know, Greg, he's just got such a vast knowledge of, uh, you know, he's just watched. You know, he, we, we told him to go do the rookie prospects and, uh, you know, he comes back with basically like 200 guys that he's watched. It's like, I mean, that was, you know, that, that's the best 20, $25 you could have spent on mm-hmm. our website there. Uh, it's good information for, you know, the rest of the year, but um, yeah, I, I love doing that. And that was, I, I would highly recommend anybody go check that stuff out. There's lots of good nuggets for fantasy in there. Yeah, and if you don't have the time, it's the best way to consume all that because you really made it like you took us all down a little fantasy cul-de-sac and gave us a bunch of takeaways from like all that distilled information. That's it. I, it was impressive. So uh, with that said, I, I really thought you made a lot of really good points about the quarterback position, which is, you know, one of the bigger storylines entering the 2021 season. I think the quarterback position for fantasy, you know, we saw the bottleneck just overflow last year and we even get a new influx of talent from a strong rookie quarterback class. So Golly, Mr. Brawley, what should I do at the quarterback position this year in fantasy? Yeah, I mean, I've always been a late round quarterback type of guy. I, you know, I, I've followed that to a T almost, you know, every year. You know, I've been doing that, you know, in my hometown legs in the, you know, the mid 2000s there. So um, this year is really the first year where I'm getting pretty proactive and, 
uh, drafting quarterback, the, the quarterback position a little earlier than uh, I'm very comfortable with and than I'm used to. So, uh, you know, right now I, I, I'm going to have a lot of Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, and Dak Prescott uh, on my best ball teams just because I really want to get one of these mobile quarterbacks who – uh, impact the game in multiple ways. And uh, they've really, you know, they've started to distance themselves from some of these back-end quarterbacks. You know, I, I always could, you know, that, that's why I like the late-round strategy is because, not you know, I didn't necessarily have to play that guy that I drafted in the late round. Maybe I maybe I hit on somebody, but I was always comfortable with doing the waiver wire and getting a Ryan Fitzpatrick who's playing against, you know, you know, some terrible pass defense. And uh, I, I was very comfortable plugging him in. You know, that, that was one of, that's one of my articles that I do during the season is the streaming quarterbacks and tight ends. So uh, I've always been comfortable doing that, but it uh, feels like it's shifted here a bit. And, um, you know, there's a, there, there's starting to be a gulf between these mobile quarterbacks who can do a little bit of both things. And, um, you know, I, I've become a little bit more proactive here, drafting my quarterbacks in the fifth and sixth rounds and, uh, you know, trying to pair the, pair those guys up, trying to stack them with stuff. But, um, you know, my, my other strategy at the end of drafts, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to be drafting three quarterbacks on my teams that I'm spending, you know, pretty early at, at the fifth, you know, the fifth round and the sixth round. Uh, so I've been kind of pairing these guys up with Justin Fields and Trey Lance. That's one of my favorite things to do. And, um, you know, I, I do most of my, my best balls on, uh, you know, the NFFC site on the best ball 10 site uh, with our partners over there. Uh, so, you know, right around 150, 160 in the drafts. That's, you know, if you're ever in a draft with me, you know that I'm probably going to start targeting Fields or Lance. Uh, I'm comfortable if they don't start the season. I, I think, I think there's a good chance one of them starts the season in week one, but uh, even if they don't, uh, I'm comfortable with Allen or Murray or Jackson or, Dak Prescott as my quarterback for the first couple weeks of the season. And then you know, I get that high upside with Fields or Lance. You know, I I just see the way that they run. Uh, I, I, looking at, you know, doing the crystal ball, and I, I think that they're going to be weekly QB1 type of guys in our projections. They're going to be in that low-end QB1. winners come in. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, yeah, if Trey Lance, uh, if Kyle Shanahan, yeah, yeah, very easy schedule. If Kyle Shanahan, um, you know, he hasn't had a mobile quarterback since Robert Griffin. He's He's got all these plays designed that he really hasn't been able to run here the last, you know, eight years, uh, seven, eight years. Uh, He's got them all saved up here for Trey Lance. Uh, Could be a real, you know, real boon for for our game. So, Justin Fields is the same kind of way. He can he can move. He can affect the game in different ways. So, uh, and you and you think about how quick they start. I mean, Justin Fields uh, maybe sits out at the Rams Week One. Maybe they don't throw him in on the road at Cincinnati Week Two. But Week Three or Four, they get the Lions at home somewhere in there, and that feels like uh, the money spot. And then Trey Lance, like worst worst case, I think it's their Week Seven, Week Six buy. They have the earliest buy in football. So. Worst case, but I actually think the 49ers are the one to point to and say, we heard York's comments yesterday. We we see the fact that he adds multiple elements to this offense, not just the the RPOs and the, you know, he also can add an element to the vertical passing game that, that just hasn't been there in, in the last couple of years. And they have an easy schedule. So I think the, both these guys should get in and top 10 picks just play in the last decade. They just play. 
Yeah, that's and, and the 49ers, they traded all the you know they, they traded all those picks to move up from twelve to three. Um, you know, we, we did the powwow. Yeah, uh, Adam, our guy Adam Kaplan, he's he's always a little bit more on the conservative side. You know, he's, he's <laughs> saying Jimmy, you know, as long as Jimmy Garoppolo keeps winning, then uh, I just I can't see it. I, I they put this major investment into him. They're going to want to see him play. Uh, you know, the, the more we go on, the you know. Greg, Greg says it all the time, especially in those powwows, that the best way to learn is by playing the game, by being out there. Uh, I get that Trey Lance played just one game last year, an exhibition game, and uh, he played at a small school. But uh, the only way these guys are going to get better and learn from mistakes and is if, if they're out there. So, uh, and, and as you Free said, live reps. Yeah, for those live reps. And as you said, the, the 49ers, they have this schedule that is – very attackable. Yeah, you you want to get, get the kid out there playing against that easy schedule, and um, yeah, that that's been my favorite kind of strategy so far with the quarterback position. I you know, I'll, uh, so you know, I'll if you so if you miss on that early tier, are you interested in the tier right after with like Russ Herbert, or are you going kind of to the back of that tier with like a Jalen Hurts or maybe even Aaron Rodgers with the uncertainty? And with that said, like, what does that do with these rookies? What does it do with your roster construction in best ball? Does it make you pivot from two quarterback builds to three quarterback builds? Uh, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, whenever I'm holding off a quarterback, you know, if I don't get one of those first uh, five quarterbacks or so, I'm typically, you know, the next guy I'm kind of t- targeting is Jalen Hurts in that eighth, ninth round. I, you know, I usually can get him around 90 picks in. Um, that, that's usually a spot where I start looking and, you know, with him, I'm, yeah, you gotta be a, he's typically a guy I try to get three quarterbacks with. Um, maybe I'll, maybe I'll snag a Taysom Hill at the very end of a draft and, uh, you know, pair him with, uh, you know, one of those quarterbacks, uh, in that 13th to 13th to 15th round range. So, um, you know, yeah, I'm a little bit more worried about Hurts. Uh, I don't, I don't see them playing, you know, Joe Flacco or uh, Jamie Newman, but, you know, I, I can't see it going more uh, Newman. Uh, <laughs> I can see it going side, more sideways for him. And, you know, they spent a second-round pick on him. Um, you know, they're not necessarily as tied to him, and uh, the investment isn't near. How he can take as many quarterbacks as he pleases. Yes, but I, 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 I do think that they're going to give – Jalen Hurts a really strong chance to to really you know cement himself in the first two months, but uh, I'm usually pick, picking an extra quarterbacks when I'm uh, you know after I take him in the eighth ninth round there. And I think the other thing that is frustrating in a best ball draft, and I think we might experience it more as you know more drafters come into the fold, is those rookie quarterbacks might not be there where we think they're going to be there uh, going forward, or at least we're going to have a week or two where we experience that, I think. <laughs> um, so what do you think about players like Tua Tagovailoa or Daniel Jones, who kind of mark that back end of the tier of late round quarterbacks that people are targeting? Do you think either of those guys has like kind of that ultimate upside to be that special player from the late round quarterback grouping? Uh, two, I, I struggle with a little bit more. Um, you know, I just don't see the ne- necessarily the mobility, uh, the rushing uh, upside with him. And I, you know, I saw, you know, I, it's a Brian Flores led offense, uh, led team. So I, I think he wants his offense to probably be a little bit more conservative. Uh, you know, he's going to lean a little bit more on his defense. I do love the weapons 
Uh, I know, and that's the tough thing I'm having is it, it's like, are they sending the signals with the additions of Jalen Waddle and Will Fuller or, you know, because I, I actually really agree with you like that the defense, the floor is aspect. Um, it just feels like they're going to run the ball a lot and it feels like they are going to hit a lot of quick slants and things like that. So yeah, that's, yeah. I'm, wor- I'm worried about the explosive explosiveness of the offense and um, you know, I could see that, you know, we have the defense ranked, I think John has them second overall for our fantasy defense rankings. Uh, it could be a pretty special they group. They, they've loaded up uh, through the draft and, uh, you know, through free agency last year. So it, it could be a pretty good group. So uh, I've been probably a little bit more uh, – Daniel Jones is going to be – I think he has more of the hit or miss, but I think – I'd rather go for those type of players late in drafts. Uh, you know, I think Tua probably has more of a, a middling outcome. Like, yeah, he doesn't kill you, but, you know, is he going to have many weeks inside the top six, top eight of the, the quarterbacks in, in individual weeks during the season? Uh, I'm a little bit and more these concerned. are the questions you should be asking when you're drafting your QB two or three at this range of the draft. Absolutely. How many times are they going to plug into my lineup? Not where necessarily are they going to finish amongst the quarterbacks who score so tightly packed? Yeah. Especially if you're drafting, you know, those, you know, top, those top guys at the top of your, uh, you know, the Dak Prescott's and the Lamar Jackson's and the Josh Allen's and the Kyler Murray's. It's going to be tough to beat those guys. So you want the guys that have the, the higher potential. I think Daniel Jones probably does. And, uh, you know, I liked some of the additions there, uh, but he's got a little bit of the same worries as well with Jason Garrett. He mm-hmm. uh, the pace <laughs> issues play, with his yeah. <laughs> you know, the pace of play with his offense. Uh, they, and the Giants also have uh, it's not as good as the Dolphins' defense, but it's a pretty um, yeah. you know, it's someone that follows the betting stuff uh, you know pretty closely during last season. They were Giants were a money making team because mm-hmm. their defense was. Uh, better than people thought, and they were playing a lot of closer, uh, a lot of close games last year. So um, I do worry about that a little bit. But another guy I kind of like in that range is uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. I've been, um, you know, he's usually my fallback plan if I uh, miss out on <coughs> if I miss out on uh, Justin Fields and uh, mm-hmm. Trey Lance there in that like fourteenth, fifteenth round range there. And, and he's an exciting is, group of weaponry all of a sudden as well. Yeah, and you know. I do the waiver wire stuff, and he he was a staple of any time that he would get into the lineup. You're hey, he's the top of the way. I, I didn't even have to think about that one. I'm I'm putting Ryan Fitzpatrick at the very top of the uh, of the the waiver wire list uh, that we that we put out every uh, Monday night there. So uh, he, he's he's been a QB one type of quarterback whenever he's in the lineup. But uh, I love those weapons. Uh, don't love the Antonio Gibson news that came out a little bit today there about his mm-hmm. toe still being an issue. Uh, he, what do you do with a toe injury for for a player like that? Like, you know, foot, toe, those things do kind of worry me, not necessarily because of, like, just re-injury during the season, compensatory injuries and things like that. Um, do you have concerns? Do you move them down your board or do you just sit back and wait for now? Yeah, I'm like I'm a lot more worried about the DeAndre Swift situation right now with the uh, Jamal Williams talk, and uh, you know it sure seems like, yeah, it sure seems like Todd Gurley will be uh, will be coming to town here. Uh, don't want to see that happen. And uh, if there's anything that Todd Gurley does well, it's uh, still goal line touchdowns and. Uh, just don't want to see that happen. So I'm, I'm actually a little bit more worried about that situation. Uh, Antonio Gibson, I'm gonna, I'm gonna 
keep him where he is for now. Uh, you know, Edwin Porras does, you know, some great work for us on the site. And I saw him, you know, mention something on Twitter, you know. I retweeted that if people are looking for that. It's on my timeline. Yeah, that was yeah I mean, he, you know, his, his, there was a air of pessimism to it. But, uh, I, you know, I'm not running for the hills just yet. I, I'm going to continue to draft him in that late second round range here. Maybe, you know, and hopefully hopefully he falls a little bit. Maybe and I can that, start. And that was my follow-up. Like, if he does fall into the third, I think everybody should be scooping him up and buying that risk, yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I I There's just so much upside there. If it, if it all clicks together, um, you know, Adam was talking to us and uh, he, he was talking to uh, Sil- Silverfield, the, the Memphis head coach there. Guy, you know, who coached uh, Antonio Gibson, and uh, yeah, he he thought he was a big slot receiver, you know, just a fat, overweight slot receiver when he first got to campus, and um, you know, he didn't really have a whole lot on his plate, you know, he had just the the seventy five or the eighty touches that he had. At I don't think anybody knew what they had till the PT Cruiser went in the shop that year, and then uh, yeah, even right, right after that, it took a while. Like it was, it was almost like some of his best games came. When uh, uh, I, I only call him the PT Cruiser, that I literally can't remember his name anymore. Um, but the other, the banger, Patrick Taylor, I think. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Patrick yeah, Taylor. yeah. Even when he came back, it wasn't until then that Antonio Gibson was really lighting it up. Like, he was the definition of a guy they must have seen and then not been able to take him off the field. Yeah, we got a good look at him, Penn, uh, us, us Penn State fans, in the, uh, the the Cotton Bowl that year. Uh, you know, Antonio Gibson got a little bit of run, I believe, that in that game. But, um, yeah, he uh, – I touched it on that one. Yeah, he was a monster. So, um, but, you know, and he said that Scott Turner, you know, they, he told him that they didn't want to put too much on the kid's plate. I mean, he, he really hasn't had a lot of time to play, and uh, they just want him to focus on the running part, which was the funny part was he was kind of used more as a receiver even during his time at Memphis. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, pretty promising just the way – I mean, he ran with the you know some physicality last year, and uh, you know he was a finisher down at the goal line. And hopefully that can continue. Hopefully that doesn't regress. Uh, but yeah, he, but he can he, compensate that with his price. Like he he could see an uptick in volume because I like one of the concerns was like why was it so much shady McKissick? Was it Alex Smith? Was it pass protection? I think we can really make super strong arguments for giant Antonio Gibson being good in pass protection and eventually uh, capturing that role in this offense, at which point it's DCCMC baby. I think let's go. Yeah, let's go. Uh, I totally agree. And you know, JD McKissick really, he, he really benefited from Alex, you know, God love Alex Smith. He wins the comeback of the you know, comeback player of the year award. It was a great story, but, uh, you know, that offense wasn't exactly, exactly high flying. And, um, you know, he was very content to check it down. So, uh, you know, Antonio Gibson hopefully gets onto the field for more of those passing situations. He's, uh, you know, ready to take on more of a role as a pass protector. Give him, give him some of those passing snaps. I mean, he, you know, he's a guy that has top five upside. I feel like in the future, if he's able to capture, uh, you know, part of that, uh, you know, that passing role. I, he has some like Jonathan Taylor kind of upside, I think. So, you know, I'm going to continue to uh, draft him in the uh, late second. Hopefully he sneaks into that late, uh, early third as well uh, with the, the, the recent news. I'll, I'll, I'll be gobbling it up here. Uh, but, you know, we'll see how it all plays out. Hopefully we get more information on that injury by the time uh, July, late July rolls around early August. 
Agreed. Uh, so speaking of top five, let's go to Kyle Pitts. I'm going to take another hard Louie here um, because he is kind of a unicorn, even in terms of expectation as a rookie tight end. I think it's crazy. There's almost zero precedent for this guy. Um, and, and there might not be precedent for the level of talent he is either. I, I admit that. Um, because he is technically a rookie tight end is what I'm getting at. And as much or as little, I mean, as uh, we might think he resembles a tight end in that Falcons offense, I think it's just crazy where he's going in drafts right now. Even putting aside his ADP, Kyle Pitts receiving yard totals on DraftKings Sportsbooks are about 150 yards more than Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle. Like mm-hmm. Vegas is basically saying, if you want to bet the over, you, Mr. Better, uh, are saying Kyle Pitts hits 900 yards receiving. If you want the over on his touchdown total, you're saying he scores eight times. And these are borderline historic numbers here, Tom. And, you know, there's a couple elephants in the room here, one being Julio Jones and the other maybe yeah. being the tight end landscape outside of the top guys in fantasy. So golly G, Mr. Brawley T, what the hell do I do with Kyle Pitts? <laughs> Uh, I'm drafting them. That's for sure. Uh, I, I want to, I want a piece of that. You know, I, I'm, I, I gave out a best, a best bet on, on his under the 875, you know, because as we kind of talked about at the top, you know, uh, you know, betting on props and betting on, uh, you know, it's a lot of it is just on probabilities. I think, you know, if I had to put a percentage on it, you know, probably 60% chance that he, uh, goes under that number. So uh, I, I look at the, the historical what precedents. Is, with what Jeremy. does that do with or without Julio? Where do those percentages lie in your in your gut? If, yeah, if and Julio I'm, a gets bit, I'm a little bit worried about that. That's that's it. Probably shifts it a little bit more. I gave out that bet before. Um, you know, it was. That's what of, I assumed. Yeah, is yeah on was, your in your article, there wasn't the Julio news that had broken that he had demanded the trade a couple no, months ago I, and I, stuff and. I'm sure I, I, you're assuming it's hard to see him getting that 20% market share that people seem to want to heap on him. Yeah, I I, I did that article like a week before the uh, really, you know, it, it, it's been kind of out there for the last month or so. But, um, you know, if if that would have come out around that time when I was doing that article, I probably would have backed off it a little bit. But I still, I still lean towards, even if Julio gets, you know, traded here in the next – a uh, couple of weeks before the season starts. Uh, I still lean towards him going under the number. Just it, It's just a difficult number to go over. Uh, just two guys did it last year. I mean, it was uh, Darren Waller and it was, uh, you know, the, the all-time great Travis Kelsey. It's it's going to take a special season for him to do it. Uh, we, we've I'd seen have to these... look, but I wonder if rookie tight ends combined for that many, uh, that <laughs> many yards last year. <laughs> yeah, I, that's a great question. I, yeah. uh, and I like Tremet. I like, uh, I just put Cole Komet and Troutman together. Troutman I like together, Troutman. Yeah. I like Troutman Komet. Troutman had about a hundred yards. Yeah. Komet, <laughs> he came on pretty nice at the end of last year, but, uh, it, it was not, and these rookie tight ends historically struggle whenever they come into the league and, uh, it's a completely different game. I get you're right. It, he's not going to be used like a traditional tight end. They're going to play uh, probably a lot of 12 personnel. They're going to probably get Aiden Hurst on the field a lot. They're probably going to have him yeah. mostly doing the blocking stuff. Lee gonna, Smith came in when Arthur Smith's big move in the offseason, Lee Smith. Yeah, he had a big <laughs> trade there. Uh, so, yeah, they're going to be kind of, you know, we talked a little bit. I think we were talking. No, we were talking about David Njoku. But, uh, you know, he's going to be kind of playing. You know, they're, they're going to kind of do some Darren Waller type stuff with him. They're going to, you know, flex him out. They're going to, you know, kind of use him as their ex-receiver some. So, um, you know, 
I'm betting the under on the number. I think it's, you know, it's going to be a historical performance. But as we've seen with him, he went fourth overall. He's a pretty unique player. He's a one-of-a-kind type of prospect coming out. So uh, would I be shocked if he clears 1,000 yards this year? No. So that's that's why I've been taking my shots on it. You know, if I don't go the quarterback route in that fifth, sixth round, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm usually trying to get one one of these one off positions. That's a good uh, point. Right, right in that range, that fifth, sixth range. So if I if I don't go for the quarterback in that range, uh, you know, I've been looking at you know Kyle Pitts in that sixth round, or you know T.J. Hawkinson, or one of these guys. So mm-hmm. I, I'm going to have you know a decent share, you know, a decent number of shares on him. Uh, I want it if it, you know if he immediately jumps into that top three with George Kittle, with Kelsey, with Darren Waller. So. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be compensated. You know, I, I I'm kind of like hedging my bets there a little bit. I'll, totally. I'll, and it's because we know it's the range of outcomes debate, right? It's the yeah. ceiling that you're chasing because we know how, uh, beneficial it is to have one of these elite tight ends, hit rates, win rates, and best ball really bear that out. Uh, when it comes to even early tight end, uh, hit rates and stuff, when, when you're looking at traps, Kelsey and stuff. So we know how, you know, league winner impact these guys can have. So I think it's worth chasing it. Yeah, I, he's just a unique talent, and it's it's going to be a great situation if Julio Jones is out of there. You know, we've seen Calvin Ridley really thrive. Uh, you know, he's a special talent, obviously, but uh, you know, Kyle Pitts has you know he's a, a top five pick. He's got a special kind of talent too. We'll just see if there's an adjustment period. That's that's the big question with him. Is there these rookie tight ends always run into that adjustment period? Is he going to have you know issues with these bigger, stronger? cornerbacks that he's going to face uh you know he did pretty well against sec ones that are you know there's a lot of those guys in you know two of them went pretty early in the draft there with patrick Sertain and jc horn but uh mm-hmm. you know we'll, we'll see if he's ready for the uh more guys like that in the week in week out basis absolutely uh so i want to try and burn through a few more of these rookie props before i let you go here tom sure. Najee Harris, uh, full disclosure, Tom and I are both Steelers fans, but <laughs> full objectivity disclosure, we are both on the record this offseason already talking win totals and admitting that they are the third best team in that division, just in case people were worried about our uh, our objectivity here. So I hate to even phrase it like this because I have laid out my hot take and my conspiracy theory about the offensive line and how it might perform and how it did perform last year. Um, but do you think the offensive line allows for like an efficient enough season for Najee for him to pay off an ADP in maybe the second or third round and pay out some betters uh, looking at his props here? I hope so. I, I, I think so. I, I'm, I'm going uh, I'm going after Najee Harris pretty uh pretty strongly as a you know like a mid-second round pick um you know usually around that 15 to 18 pick range that's when i'll start looking at them and um you know i think all the signs that the steelers have kind of sent this year that they're committed to getting this running game back on track um uh, you know the mandate Anna, issued yeah, mandate issued from the roonies that's right um you know you know matt canada you know, comes from a background where they do some unique stuff. They, they run a lot of motion. They, they, you know, they get, get the ball in different guys. I wouldn't be surprised if a guy like Chase Claypool gets, you know, some carries this year. They're going to do some, hopefully some different unique stuff. So 
Ben's going to set a career high in play action by week three. I hope so. Uh, the, the big question, and Greg even put it, brought it up on the uh, the powwow, is how much are they going to get Ben to go under center this year? Exactly. Um, <laughs> he has to in this offense. It's, yeah, it's really I, the biggest question I have I, with this offense. Yeah, I, I have to wonder if some of that isn't that Ben doesn't feel comfortable under center that he he can you know he's lost some of his mobility and I can remember distinctly when that Bengals game was going extremely sideways on Monday Night Football. Um, you know, they, they put Benny Snell, I believe in the game. And it was like mandated from above that we're going to try to run the ball under center. And Ben got his foot stepped on the first play of the game, you know, first play <laughs> after they decide that we're going to go under center and pound the rock and he fumbles and the Bengals scoop it up. And you know, it's 14, nothing in the blink of an eye. So, uh, you know, we'll see that that's going to be an interesting one to kind of follow in August. Uh, you know, I, that will be, you know, the camp reports, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be hearing if he's been going under center. I, that would make me feel a lot better about Najee Harris in uh, and this rushing game. So uh, I, I think there are some nice pieces. Uh, Zach Banner, I think, uh, I, I, he was showing some good signs, uh, you know, in that We know he can run block. He's a mauler. He's an absolute – he's a monster. So uh, they're, they're going to be running off that right side quite a bit. Um, so I, I, I'm – I'm optimistic, but yeah, the, the offensive line is the big question. I, I think internally they must, you know, they must be some of their internal scouting with some of their younger guys that they have. They must, they must feel like some of these guys can take a step. So uh, fingers crossed. Uh, that is one prop I have get, given out. That was a, I think he was sitting around 925 yards. For yeah, I think he was 915 and a half on your article, and I think he's oh. about 925 now. Yeah, and I think, you know, thinking about fantasy just really quick, sorry to break that up on you, but, uh, oh, no. you know, the receptions I think are going to go a long way. Like, it's too bad you can't bet on his yards from scrimmage uh, total because I think that'll be closer to, like, 1,300-ish, you know, uh, would be the over-under. So I think that's the exciting part. And the rushing and receiving touchdowns, I think, was at nine and a half uh, in that one as well, which was pretty high, I thought. Yeah, that, that's a that's that's a number I'd probably stay away from, but I, I think he should be able to do it. I, you know, Me too. I'm, I'm pretty optimistic that he can do it, and I, I think that they want to be able to run at the goal line a little bit better this year. They they had some struggles down down in that red zone area, just because you know if you don't have a running game, uh, it's going to be pretty tough to to run it whenever you're at the one or two yard line, whenever they know you're going to run the ball. So, um, you know, I think it's a number that he can go over. But uh, yeah, you're right. I I do think he's going to. You know, he, I don't. I don't think he's going to be like a fifty or sixty catch guy, but he could definitely sit around 35, 40 catches, and uh, you know have two hundred to three hundred fifty yards, uh, you know, receiving yards this year. So, uh, no, no, uh, no rushing and receiving props out there, but uh, I do think he's going to be utilized in all aspects of the game. They, they, they did not like what they saw from Benny Snell and even Anthony McFarland last year. It's, yeah. uh, you know, Jalen Samuel, <laughs> RIP. Yeah, someone who can do it all. I like yeah. it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think you should hit the ground running. And I like uh, you laid out in your article, everyone should go and read that because you laid out some good historical arguments for uh, him as the rookie of the year candidate. Uh, just looking back, I think running backs have won the award more often than any other position going back to 2013, uh, just by a hair over quarterback. So I, I think it's an interesting debate and it, uh, it probably comes down like if he gets 300 touches, he's going to have a really good chance at hitting that mark. I think. This year. Yeah, the the one thing this year 
You, you do have the five quarterbacks. That is going to make it a little yeah. bit tougher to win rookie of the year this year. That's uh, betting 101, eh? Just for the listeners, because sometimes it's not necessarily the price you're getting, but how many guys they have to leap in that prop that uh, it's like a baseball team who's seven games back, but there's eight teams in front of them. It's just a really hard ask. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's been historically a running back and quarterback award, basically. You know, quarter, you know it leans more towards the quarterbacks, but... Uh, running backs and wow, it doesn't old. Have... Am I old? OBJ. Oh my God. When was that? Oh my God. That's an like I, 2013 I, or 14. 2014. Yeah, yeah. That was unbelievable. And he missed the first couple games of the season that year. <laughs> and that would have been the last wide receiver or non quarterback running back to yeah, win just, that award. Just yeah. think about Justin Jefferson's season last year. And he wasn't even, <laughs> not even close to winning. Yeah. You know, Cause just, you know, Justin Herbert goes and breaks all I the rookie passing that, records. Yeah. So he goes out and gets 1,400 yards and couldn't even sniff the award last year. So uh, it takes a lot for a receiver to win that award. They have to blow people away there. Yeah. So I really want to ask you about Jalen Smith, or sorry, uh, Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith. There I go again. Um, who will forever be linked at the hip uh, to one another, I think. And even in fantasy circles, I think the debate kind of rages between the two. Uh, and when you look at rookie props, they have almost identical totals for receiving yards and for touchdowns. So, Tom, take a side. Are you Team Waddle or are you Team Devontae for 2021? And even in a vacuum, like, I'd love to know what you think, like, which of the two uh, teams is getting more of, like, a tactical advantage? Uh, I'm Team Devontae. Uh, I just think he's stepping into a much better situation to – you know, you were talking about a target share for Kyle Pitts there in the 20 or, uh, 20% range. Uh, I think that's within Devontae Smith's uh, range of outcomes this year. I could see him easily leading this team. Uh, you know, it's Jalen Rager. It's Travis Fulgham. It's, you know, Greg Ward. Uh, you know, it's it's a, a pretty thin wide receiver tree behind him. And, you know, it's down, you know, obviously it's the tight ends that you're most concerned with. Uh, Dallas Goddard and we'll see about the Zach Ertz situation but uh, I think he's stepping into a good situation where he can you know we, we want him to get six to eight targets every game to get over that 725 yard number so um, I, I'm pretty I feel pretty good about that one I, I've been uh, we were talking about Jalen Hurts and drafting him in the eighth round seventh eighth round you know and that's been a pretty common stack for me whenever I do the Jalen Hurts uh, pick there. I'm usually trying to get Devontae Smith. He's usually right around that range as well. So uh, Jalen Waddle, I'm just, he's a bit redundant with Will Fuller. Uh, you know, there's, they have a lot of the same traits. I think he's a little bit better after the catch, but it's not like Will Fuller's a slouch in that area. And uh, Will Fuller's probably the better vertical threat. And, uh, you know, I guess the one advantage he, he does have, he's, you know, has experience playing with the, uh, to uh, at, 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 well, at has experience playing in the NFL. Yeah. Like yeah, it's a, exactly, I, I think yeah. it is definitely a wash between those twos at best for Jalen Waddle. As much as I really love Jalen Waddle, like in a vacuum, I kind of liked Jalen Waddle a little more than Devonte Smith, but I admit yeah. that I'm kind of, uh, like I, I, I care about historical data so much. Like I kind of fixate on it too much at times, and I will have been a victim of that if Devonte Smith really pans out at 170 pounds. That's my uh, my one hang up. But I do agree that he landed in a really ideal landing spot. Jalen Rager going to the slot. There's a lot of uh, it feels like the confluence of events is already coming together for the buzz to start building. And it won't it won't surprise me if Devonte Smith, somebody that we see in our best ball drafts, really elevate in average draft position as the offseason goes along. 
Oh yeah, and it's, you know, once August comes around, and you know, if he gets a little bit of time in the preseason and uh, really excels, and uh, yeah, I, I could see him rising up into that like seventh round range. And Waddle's a little more difficult. I'm with you though. I, I'm definitely taking some chances on him. Uh, you know, talking a little bit of best ball there. Uh, Will Fuller's price is, uh, you know, it's just it's just too too expensive for me right now. I think all three <laughs> wide receivers in Miami might be a tad expensive for some reason. Yeah, yeah I, 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 Parker's number. You know, he's really starting to. to I'm starting to see him in like the 115 range at times. Really, and then yeah. and Jalen Waddle and some of my BB tens there. Um, and, and that's the kind of range I'll start taking some shots on those guys. The the downside's a lot lower, and um, you know I could see Parker, you know, kind of being the target share guy. You know, he leads the team in target share there, and Waddle, you know, maybe he's the surprise, you know, guy. As you said, he's he was probably maybe the the better prospect, and that's why he went six overall. He went a little higher in the draft. Yeah, they loved um, him. <laughs> yeah, they loved him exactly. It's um, you know Joe kind of theorized to to Greg and Adam on the powwow that you know. Did they think they were getting Chase and Pitts there at six uh, when they made that trade? And uh, Adam shot that down pretty much immediately. He's like, no, they loved all three. And uh, Yeah, the rumors were out there that they even might have coveted Waddle over Chase. And I was like, oh, well, they're just playing with the Bengals. Good for them. Having fun. But uh, no, the, the reports, it's one of those things where the stars aligned after they made the pick. And you're like, oh, wow, like. Trading back, I think the biggest thing that we should have taken away was that when they traded out a three, they were passing on Sewell at that point. And we kept forcing Sewell into that conversation of why they traded back to six, that it was to get Pitts, Chase, or Sewell. And it turns out that it was Waddle and not Sewell, uh, who was in that three-man tier for them. So I think it's really interesting. You live and learn. And I am a big Chris Greer fan as well. So I do give him the benefit of the doubt in those senses as well, uh, as opposed to uh, some other GMs like the Bengals, for instance. Uh, (laughs) You know, there's, there's teams that I like the GMs and teams that I don't. And, the you know, Mike Greer is a guy I really like. Yeah, and uh, Adam Chris even Greer. said uh, – Chris Greer, yeah. Adam yeah, said Oilers, that, His brother played for the Oilers, just for listeners. Oh, so, really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Adam said that, you know, there were some teams that had Waddle number one overall – as number one overall in terms of uh, wide receivers wide and, uh, you know, that they covered them as a top five pick. So, uh, sort of seems like the Dolphins um, – I, I, they may have been one of those teams that they maybe had them over Chase. They'll, uh, of course, they're they would say that now if you <laughs> you, you, you asked them. But um, you know, th- at the very least, they were good with either scenario. Fall, you know, if Chase or Waddle were on the board for them, uh, you know, that's probably why they were com- comfortable moving back to six there to get one of those three guys. So that is all I got for you, Tom. It was really just such a blast talking football with you. Um, I just want to thank you so much for coming on. Maybe if you wouldn't mind letting people know where they can find you on Twitter, just in case it got cut off earlier and what you're working on right now, just as we head into, uh, you know, not the, the final dead period before the start of training camps and stuff. Uh, so just let us know where, where, let us know where, where they can find your work. Yeah. It's known as the vacation time here for the fantasy industry. Yeah. This is, this is your last hurrah. Well deserved. Oh yeah, people. exactly. That's a long, it's a longer season this year too. We've got an extra game here. So, uh, Less buys. Know, extending oh in the God. middle of, yeah, yeah. Extending into February now. So, uh, need a little bit of time, but we're, we're still going strong at fantasy points. Uh, you know, my handle's at, at Tom Brawley, and that's B-R-O-L-L-E-Y. I'm, you know, finishing up these powwow articles, lots of great information from 
um, you know, Adam and Greg and from everybody on staff. And then uh, some of my just early, uh, they're basically just like my early best ball takeaways and, uh, you know, combining that with the information that we got from the calls. So, uh, and then, then I'm next week is, I'm going to start sinking my teeth into these team betting previews. This is uh, always I, – I, I started it last year, uh, probably bit off a little bit more than I could chew. I'm going to maybe try to pare them down a little bit, but uh, it's it's a little bit of a daunting little task here I got coming up, but i um, looking forward to doing it. And uh, went 8-0 on the, the best bets uh, for season win totals. Uh, I will guarantee right now that I will not – accomplish that again i will probably lose at least one i'll but... take that bet 21 <laughs> yeah. i'll take that bet <laughs> so yeah you know i couldn't have uh couldn't have seen that one coming i was pretty happy i'm just i'm just you know any, anytime with this vex you, you, you just want to win more than you lose uh, that's that's the main goal uh you know vegas is still standing for a reason but uh yeah as you said it's all about probabilities and uh just just you know, being on the, the winning end a little bit more than the losing end. So eight, no, I won't be able to do that again, but um, <laughs> hopefully it's a, another good winning, uh, winning season with those season one totals. Totally. Yeah. The dolphins did not go 17 and zero, and then 17 and zero again, the next yes. season doesn't happen. Um, but yeah, a lot of that is in the description for our listeners. Uh, you know, the post draft power rankings you did, I put that link in there as well. Cause that was a really good piece. Uh, it was complete with like team records and uh, against the spread last season, which is stuff I want for early on this season, uh, just at my disposal. So lots of good stuff in the description, including where to find Tom on Twitter, the link to that. You can find us on Twitter at TNFF uh, Tyrell. That's where you can find me. The podcast is at True North FFB on Twitter. Uh, until next time, guys, we are sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight and extremely proud members of the Fantasy Points Media Group. Everybody needs to use our promo code 21 True North 10 so you can get the best people in the industry giving you the information that you need. So thanks, everybody. And until next time, I will uh, just keep filibustering until I can bring up the outro here. We are very, very much looking forward to Travis being back in the mix sooner than later, everybody.